are listening to the American Truth Project podcast. We're sitting on army land, looking into Syria, a live fire area, and some bushes. Idea captain of the reserve, Sean Shulman, is guiding us. We'll tell you what you're looking for. Okay, so see that village that's pulling up the field. Uh, from that village, we can see over um, that city that we call in Israel the New Metro. They will call it Syria, Medina Bas. And Medina City Bas, the political party that runs Syria since 63. The significance of the city being located on road number 7, which is the main road getting to Damascus, which means the distance from us now, the capital of Syria, is uh, less than 40 miles. These were close enough to Damascus than to Tiberias. Uh, we have the farmers of the kibbutz working something like a mile behind us. They're still not allowed to come uh, here so close. We're having a very quiet day and it seems like meanwhile there's no uh, shooting. Um, regarding the different groups on the other side, that village there controlled by rebels. I will keep it meanwhile rebels who will enter into place. Then the city over that controlled by the regime. The which, which, rebels, which rebels are in that city that we're looking at? In this case, we're talking about a coalition that calls the Jewish Muhammad, the army of Muhammad, of seven different organizations. One of the organizations that considered the most significant in that coalition called themselves Hiyat Sham, Hiyat France, Tahrir Liberation, Sham, Big Syria, or you can call them Al Qaeda. Right, what we're looking at is the village on the border with Israel yeah. that is controlled, managed, and governed independently of the Syrian government, run by Al Qaeda. So we have, yeah, we have the village that is run by Al Qaeda, and we have that city behind that, controlled by the regime. Literally, half a mile, maybe less. Where we're, where we're, where we're sitting. Is a light fire. Um, yeah, and I will show you after that burned from the last battle, mostly a spillover, and we got 12 uh, mortar shells that landed in Israel. About a month, month and a half. Those shells came over the position we're sitting. We have here the left groups of the 19 together, the Syrian army, and we have here many other different groups affiliated to the army or work together with them. For example, we have the Fujian Shoblan, the Land Brigade. These guys, most of them, are Druze, and they live in a village called Hadar, near Paranormal, on the side of Mount Ramon. They work together with Palestinians. Thank you.
Jordanian border, along the border with Israel and controlled by rebels. We're talking about more than 50 different groups of rebels. That's not a homogenic force. Part of them fight each other, others cooperate and fight together in coalitions. So, on both sides of that Sunni section, which is 90% of the border, we have global jihad. Once here in the northern part of the Golan Al Qaeda, or a group affiliated with Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda is a system of alliances. So Al Qaeda Central, that's the one in Afghanistan, and the one in But there are many different branches all over. And then in the southern part of the Golan, we have what used to be called ISIS, and today just IS. Now let the Islamia Islamic State. We have them controlling about 12 miles of the border. Also share border with Jordan, yeah. Uh, first, why it's so complicated? Why it's such a mess? So just in order to make it simple, it's a mess since uh, the Middle East is a mess for at least 100 years. Before that, things were much more simple. Pre-First World War. Then we're talking about a big Islamic state, which called the Ottoman Empire, with a caliph, replace of Muhammad Abdul Hamid II, Pretty much one clear day during the First World War, the 16th of May 1916, the British strikes, the French because they started to mount the Middle East to the pencil and the ruler and start to draw a straight line, decomposed the big Islamic state into nations, created artificial states as Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, and the British said that they expected that with the passage of time that people that live in the state of Iraq will teach them to be Iraqi. Forgot or ignored from the primordial identities of each of those groups, whether they're Sunni, Shiites, Kurds, Muslims, Jews, tribal division, or whatever. So we got here, uh, these are the consequences. 101 years after, 600,000 people were killed in Syria, almost getting to 6 million refugees and almost 10 million displaced. It's still not the end. So let's say seven years ago, before the civil war began, Syria was a country of 22 and a half million people. A third of the population, 42 percent, lived in poverty line. 20 percent unemployed, and almost half of the population under the age of 19 years old. It means the population there doubled in the past 30 years. They needed water resources. They got the water by the Euphrates, which then by the Turks. The Arantes, they dried because of wrong use of water, and farmers left without water. And a farm without having water cannot work as a farmer, so gradually they started to do urbanization since 05 moved from the villages to the cities looking for jobs, which most of them didn't manage to find. Four and a half million people, 20% of the population, living in tents or temporary housing surrounding the cities. And you got a very good reason for an uprising. Added to the fact that 74% of Syria were Muslim Sunnis, and the rest minorities. Kurds, Shiites, Circassians, Druze, Christians, and the biggest minority that run the country call themselves Alawites. Assad, the president of Syria, he's an Alawite. Alawites were Muslims. They split it from the Shia in the Middle Age period and invented something different. They call themselves Alawites on the name of Ali bin Abi Talab, the son-in-law of Muhammad, which they recognize as a god. And they a mixture. Those guys uh, celebrate the Christmas, the Eastern, a uh, few of the Muslims holidays, fast the Ramadan, drink wine, and recognize Jesus as the Messiah. But these are the guys that brought stability to a country like Syria. And that's something that started in November 1970 by a coup 
that Assad uh, managed to uh, bring himself to the position of being the president. He was the defense minister before that. Hafez al-Assad. He managed to bring Syria to be stable for the first time in the Syrian history, first of all by extincting politics. Politician objected Assad, hanged or prison. Pure dictatorship. In 73, he managed to get a fatwa. Islamic religious law that recognized the Alawites as Muslims. By doing that, turned himself to a Muslim leader, which could unify these ethnic groups there under one purpose, having a common enemy, which is us. Months after 6 of October 1973, where the Yom Kippur war to here below us, that's the value of Jews. says, Muhammad says, if you protest against your ruler as if you protested against me, if you protested against me as if you protested against Allah, which means if I protest against my ruler, I actually protest against my God. No one that have the religion in central of living will do so. So now the question is, what makes someone to be a Muslim? So Muslims bodyhood, that's the that he's a Muslim consider as well. Which means as long as I don't sit in the main square of Damascus with my seven wives instead of four drinking beer which are not allowed, weeping people passing in the street and yelling and recognizing Allah and his laws, I consider as a Muslim. But then as a ruler, I'm probably a bad Muslim. Because I don't run my country by the Sharia laws of Islam. And then the obligation of the individual is to bring me to be replaced by a better Muslim, but only if he's Uh, uh, being a prophet. And according to Islam, Muhammad was the last one. But that's something that preserved those dictatorships we saw in the Middle East and kept them stable for a long time as the Syrians. Assad damaged his credibility for losing Israel in 1973. Therefore, he tried to present that war as a victory. But didn't manage to convince everyone. And gradually, Muslims' bodyhood, which was the main opposition, started to get strong. June 1980, he even tried to assassinate the guy. He was kind of pissed. So I sent his young brother, Rafa, to a city called Hama by Damascus, using chemical weapons, killed him on the 20,000 No one tried to mess with that guy. Syria got very stable. We managed to get a very quiet border, which was good enough. June 2008,
decided to use his Shiites friends, Iran. Iran, as a very sophisticated country, didn't want to get their troops inside in the first stage. So they sent their proxies from Lebanon with Hezbollah, Hezbollah, body of God, religious Shiite organization. And turn here a civil war to a religious Sunnah Shia war. And a Sunnah Shia war couldn't stand the borders of Syria. And it brought in convention of the Sunnis countries. Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Iran, Emirates, and Jordan. Into that mass, we started to have all kinds of different organizations getting involved, for example, all kinds of Salafian, Salafian ancestors that were in Islam back in the 7th century, or other groups as Jihad, Islam, Jihad, Jihad, by the Shams, the Gays, and the Shams, the Shams, the Shams, the Shams, Shiite fighting Sunnis, and we have also Sunnis that fight other Sunnis. We are not Sunnis, we are not Shiites. It's finally it's an advantage to be a Jew in the Middle East. Diapers, baby food, prosthetics, uh, basic needs. More than that. Um, the idea is gradually uh, to give humanitarian aid, uh, mostly to the refugees camps along the border on the Syrian side. to the radical ones, 
Um, in the same time, we understand the situation is very dynamic, and uh, the fact that we have them now along the border uh, doesn't mean that we we'll have them in a month. Century from the north of Africa to east of India. So they started talking about Qasr al-Hudud, breaking borders. Qasr al-Hudud is not only something that relevant to ISIS, but to many other groups and I would say even the individuals that live in those countries of the Middle East today. Which means that this Arab Spring managed to cut the heads of the pyramids. And very powerful leaders that once ran their countries by their don't care about the state. He care about his hamula, the big family, his tribe, his ethnic group, his religion. And if the state is good for my tribe, I'm going to be good for the state. But if the state is bad for my tribe, I will fight that state. The state cannot be good for all the different tribes, and therefore we're always going to have tribes 
that will fight the states with different groups that fight. And that's the new chaotic Middle East that we're facing now in the 20th century. Which means we cannot come with the mindset of the 20th century and bring solutions. is very different. Doing a de-escalation zone as we have here over the fence, it's saying that we'll have your Druze living together with Shiites, with global jihad, with moderate Sunnah, with global jihad again, and 700,000 Druze there by Sweden, all gonna live together in a harmony, supervised by guys here over those mountains. We have two companies uh, of so-called Russian forces coming from the northern Caucasus, from Indonesia. Chechnya. Those are in that hill right there. That hill over there, exactly. That's where the Russians are. Yeah. Which means 13 kilometers from the border. And uh, they're supposed to uh, make sure that the groups here don't fight. So, I'm going to walk seven and a half miles that way are the front lines of the Russians. Yeah. Overlooking this village that we're looking at in the border. Which means that we do here. Pretty much the same mistake that I think we call down there in 120 years For Israel, the situation getting worse. We're starting to have, and part of it because of the policy of the West, as Trump said, we won't build states, we'll kill terrorists. So if now the West almost stops supporting the rebels, which is the of Obama left, of staying out, Russia got inside. Which means that today, this is bad, but this is the situation for Israel. We have U.S. that's getting a little bit less significant here. We have Russia that's getting more. And uh, we have Iran. With Russia, we do have a relationship definitely not as close as with U.S. With Iran, of course, we don't have. And uh, this is something that we have to deal with, which means that this probably won't be the wise border we have in Israel, as we have for 40 years. This is something that the Israeli uh, forces today prepare for. So first of all, it's by building a fence, a fence that will deal better with guerrilla warfare, with emotion sensors, video cameras, intelligent drones, bombing drones, unmanned vehicle control. That's the fence. We have right special there. forces occupied positions, we have uh, tanks, we have uh, cruise missiles, uh, we have women soldiers singing in front of screens and monitoring the fence 24-7, we have defensive systems, 
with any other units of work here on the surface or off the surface, consider it more classified. And the idea is being prepared for all kinds of situations, and mostly that as quiet as it feels now, once we come here, standing half a mile from the border, um, things can change here, can escalate in the middle of hours. Well, we just heard some shooting. Unfortunately, they're not shooting. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.